Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode number 14. This podcast today is brought to you by one of my favorite brands, and that is Nutra Organics. If you've been following for a while now over on Instagram, which is at Kylie Camps, you will know that for years I have been using Nutra Organics products, not just for myself, but for my whole family. In particular, I am a huge fan of their Collagen Beauty and Collagen Body. These powders are a wonderful addition for any family. It is an odorless and flavorless powder, which is rich in protein and can assist in maintaining gut health and wellness amongst a myriad of other wonderful health benefits. If you're interested in trying out these products, please use the discount code KYLIE, all in capitals, 15. So that's K-Y-L-I-E 15, and you can find Nutra Organics by visiting their website, which is NutraOrganics.com, and that code for 15% off again is Kylie15. So let's get stuck into episode number 14. Today, I really wanted to sit down with you and speak about some of the mistakes that I feel like are really, really easy for us women to make in relationships. And I don't want to make this a negative episode at all. But I think it's important to have conversations surrounding really, really common mistakes and easy traps that we can fall into that can negatively impact the quality of our relationship. And I'm sure that you've all heard the saying before, I believe it's a Tony Robbins one, and he says, the quality of our life depends upon the quality of our relationships. And if we're feeling a bit of unhappiness or a bit of, I guess, dis-ease, within that relationship, it really can affect many areas of our life. And often, unknowingly to us, we have developed habits that really aren't serving us well. And in fact, they're making things harder. And whilst I'm no relationship expert by any stretch of the imagination, I am someone who is really dedicated to growing in my marriage and to growing with my husband. And so I have to put my hand up and say, these are mistakes that I have made. And these are mistakes that I have had to become aware of and work on so that we can grow and move forward with more awareness and kindness and just be better. And you may know by now that Matt actually has a podcast and his podcast is called Better with Matt Camps. 
And the whole premise of his podcast is just to share little tidbits that he has learned along the way that have made a big difference to his life and made things that little bit better. So it's not about being perfect. It's not about being the best, just a bit better than you were before. And I think we can all benefit from that. So in this episode, I'm sharing five mistakes that are really easy to make. And also I want to share with you some easy ways that you can overcome these mistakes. So let's get stuck into it. Now, this is a requested topic, so I definitely wanted to include this one in the podcast and I had to make it point number one. And that mistake is micromanaging or parenting your partner. It is such an easy habit to fall into, particularly as you do introduce young children into your life, as you become a family, it can be really, really easy to start micromanaging and telling your partner what to do. And even if you don't have kids, you might still find yourself micromanaging them or taking on that parental role and parenting your partner. And really that's just such a fast way to kill attraction. Both of those things are a really speedy way to put out any fire that you have between the two of you, because there's nothing sexy or nothing attractive about being with someone who makes you feel incapable or who positions themselves to be the parent. And I know I reference Esther Perel a lot, and that is because I'm a huge fan of her work. And she often says that if someone is right in the head, you don't want to have sex with someone that is in your family. So having that dynamic of one person being the parent, it really does kill that attraction. So what is micromanaging and what do I mean by parenting? Micromanaging is when you find yourself taking ownership and taking control of everything your partner does and continually advising them on the right, and I've got inverted commas happening there, on the right way to do anything. And it often happens with caring for babies or children. So you might find yourself just breathing down the neck of your partner with advice. So it could be, no, that's not how I change the nappy. Make sure you know, make sure little Johnny has this amount of food, make sure little Sarah wears those shoes. No, not those socks. Did did it, did it just continually telling them what to do. And the problem with this, apart from it killing that attraction, it makes you feel like the bad guy. And it makes you feel like you forever have to be the one who's upholding all of these standards. And it's a horrible way to feel but it also chips away at your partner's confidence. It means that they will begin to feel less confident in the choices that they are making. And you really don't want to disempower your partner in any area of life, particularly in parenting, because when someone feels disempowered, they are likely to retreat. And all too often, that is what happens You might know someone right now. You might have friends and just think, oh, yes, I so see that. Or maybe it's a dynamic that you're living right now where you just micromanage your partner to within an inch of their life so much so that they retreat and they just stop doing anything because they feel as though they can't get it right. And I've had a lot of women say to me whenever I speak about this topic that they feel that they have 
to manage their partner. They have to tell them what to do because parenting feels like it's their job. So if they are the primary carer, they have assumed this responsibility of being the one to make all of the decisions. And I do understand that dynamic and that way of thinking. But when women say to me, I feel like I have a right to manage my partner because this is my job and I would never go to his job or her job and tell her what to do or tell him what to do. So I don't want my partner coming home and changing the script up. And I do understand that, but it's important to remember that if you have a child with someone, it is not the same thing as them having a job and you going and telling them what to do. It's a totally different thing because A child is a collaborative team effort. It is a little human or humans that you are deciding to raise together. And even if you're not in a family unit, if you're co-parenting, there still needs to be that communication and that respect. It's not the same thing as going to your partner's work and telling them what to do. So try not to take it personally or try not to think like that because it's just they're worlds apart. And that's just my opinion. But if you do find yourself continually telling your partner what to do, just start to notice it. That's the first step. I've often said before that I don't know whether we can actually completely let go and, you know, never ever micromanage again or never ever make a suggestion again. But what I can honestly say hand on my heart, because I've lived it, is if you notice when you're doing it, you then can notice and stop yourself some of the time. So you might not be able to bite your tongue every single time, but if you realize that, hey, like 50 times a day, you're telling your partner what to do, just bite your tongue half those times and notice the improvement. Notice how confident your partner becomes and notice that everything is okay. Like I think sometimes we can get hung up on small things and try and make them into big things, when really the big thing is the bonding and the effort and the love. It's not the little details that we want to control at times. I hope that makes sense. So just noticing when you're doing it and biting your tongue at times can make a really, really big difference. Now, the other component to this point is the whole parenting your partner thing. It's so easy to fall into that. And it's kind of, I guess, can be a fine line at times. Because often with your romantic partner, you do want to care for them in that nurturing way. You know, you might want to get up and make their lunch for them. And I think that's a beautiful thing to do. And I still do that for Matt. But you don't want to put yourself into the position of mothering them. Because when that happens, it's very, very unsexy. And again, you kind of start to disempower them, even though it comes from a place of wanting to love your partner. And it goes both ways. You know, you might have a partner who you feel tries to parent you at times. And when that happens, it just doesn't feel good. So just noticing when you're doing that, you know, am I just telling my partner what to do too much? Am I actually encouraging them to make their own individual decisions? I think is some good food for thought. So maybe just keep that one in mind. Now, mistake number two that I feel like women often make in our partnerships, in our romantic relationships, is not owning and not expressing what we actually want. So I have been there years ago, and this was before the kids, I've realized this. I 
purposefully would withhold what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, um, what I wanted Matt to say, I guess, just anything really. I would just withhold these things and then I would get grumpy that they weren't playing out in my favor, if that makes sense. I guess what I mean is I would say, oh, I don't mind when really I did mind or I don't care what we have for dinner when really I did know what I wanted for dinner and that sort of thing. And that's a very small example, but just owning what you want and expressing it. And I don't mean as in saying, this is what I want and this is the only thing we can do. We can have the only direction we can go in, but it's at least just putting it out there because if you don't speak up and say what you want, often what ends up happening is resentment builds because then your partner might freely express what he or she wants and you could start to get a little bit resentful that they have the ability to do that. And it might come out in being angry, being frustrated, not having as much patience. I just think resentment is a really, really dangerous um, thing to have creep into a relationship and it can grow really quickly. So if you know what you want, own it and express it what you want matters as well. And this kind of feeds into mistake number three, which is expecting your partner to read your mind. I'm sure everyone listening can relate to this one where you have this thought in your head and you really want your partner to be able to see into your brain and know exactly what to do and say. And if they get it wrong, you're kind of going to punish them a little bit. But it's so important to understand your partner cannot read your mind. And I know that you know that. Like at a base level, you know that. But so many of us are walking around expecting our significant other to just know what we want, what we need, what we're hoping for. So this really is very similar to the second tip of owning what you want. But I guess this mistake is really more about understanding how important communication is. And if there's something that you want your partner to do, or you want them to understand, or there's something that you're cranky about, don't internalize that and wait for them to guess. Don't sit around hoping that eventually they'll know that you're shooting them the evil eye or that you're being rude for a certain reason just tell them, just say, Hey, this is what's going on for me. And I really want you to know, because I think adult love grown up relationships needs that clear communication. And it's not about playing games. You know, in my early twenties, when I would date, there was so much game playing, you know, you'd get a text message and you'd wait a certain time before you responded. And, you know, that might be all part of the thrill of dating, but I think that in a marriage, that clear communication is so important. So have realistic expectations on your partner. They have their own life as well and they have their own thoughts and feelings and own stuff going on. So don't be hard on them and expect them to know exactly what you want if you haven't verbalized it. It's a skill that becomes easier the more you practice it. And the more that you have empathy for your partner in reminding yourself, hey, they can't actually see into my brain. They can't read my mind right now. It just takes the pressure off. Now, mistake number four, in my opinion, and again, these are all just my opinions. Hopefully some of them are helpful, but who knows, is belittling your partner. This is one that I see happen a lot. And every time I see it happen, I just think, oh, that is dangerous territory. 
Now, don't get me wrong, I love a joke and Matt and I are really happy to have a joke and kind of, you know, make fun of each other at times. But I think that there's a fine line between, well, actually it's not a fine line because you can make fun of your partner at home and you're both having a laugh. But in particular, in a public setting, I see so many relationships where people are just kind of, for lack of a better expression, this doesn't sound good, but shitting on each other you know, not literally, um, but figuratively, (laughs) oh gosh, this is not a pretty picture. But what I mean is I see that dynamic of people talking badly about their partner in front of their partner, or even not in front of them, even just in general, just putting their partners down. And I just think that belittling your partner and making them the butt of a joke, speaking poorly of them is just bad energy. And so many people talk about how their partner is their best friend, but really you wouldn't speak about your best friend in that way. And I don't know, it's just something that doesn't sit well with me. I think always having your partners back and speaking highly of them and never throwing them under the bus is super, super important. You never want to make your significant other feel small. And for some reason in marriages and in in relationships, We do know each other's vulnerabilities um, and we can lean into those at times and not be as thoughtful as we probably should be. So just something to be mindful of is the way that you speak about your partner when he or she is there or even when they are not. And the last mistake, but not the least, probably one of the most important that we can easily, easily take control of is understanding that the amount that we self-sacrifice in life isn't actually a competition or a badge of honor. And the amount that we self-sacrifice needs to be balanced out by good quality self-care. So what I mean by this is a lot of couples fall into that dynamic of having a spoken or unspoken competition of who has it harder. So your partner might walk through the door if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're a stay-at-home dad. You know, your partner might arrive home from work and instantly you feel a competition is happening. You know, they might be complaining about sitting in traffic and then you say, well, at least you got to leave and go and speak to adults. Well, I've been here all day dealing with nappies and, you know, I've had a colicky baby. And then your partner comes back with saying, well, I had a really hard day at the office or whatever it is. It just becomes this tit for tat competition of who has it harder. And again, that just fosters resentment. And also distrust, it can make you start to feel as though your partner doesn't have your back and rather than being on the same team, you're competing against each other for who has it worse. So something that Matt and I did was really try and act as though the other person had the harder day and it just changes your dynamic. So when Matt would get home from work and I'd been with the boys all day, in his mind, rather than him going, oh, well, I've had to drive two hours and I've been standing for so long and blah, 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 all these things have gone wrong. He would just project that he knew that I had had a harder day and I would do the same. So then when he would walk in, rather than me going, oh, I've had such a bad day, you know, I've been on my own or, um, you know, lucky you, you got to go to work. I would take the stance of, wow, he's probably had a harder day. And it meant that we would meet each other with kindness. You know, he would walk through the door after a long day of working in construction 
And he would always insist that I had the first shower. He would always say, you go have the first shower. Like I could spend another 20 minutes in my muddy clothes. I'll take over. You've had a really hard day. And just that warmth from him, like just that gesture of, you know, ensuring that I got the first shower has never left me. I've spoken about it so many times. It's the little things. So rather than being in competition, it's being each other's biggest supporters and understanding that you are both self-sacrificing in different areas of your life. And with self-sacrifice, you do need to balance it out with self-care and self-care can be different for both of you. You know, for example, Matt's version of self-care is going for a surf. My version of self-care is listening to a podcast or reading a book. So it's just making sure that you are taking ownership for your own self-care and actually making it happen. Because when you do have a family, there is so many ways, there are so many ways, excuse me, that you put your own needs last. And I always say that you can't pour from an empty cup. And I know you've heard that a hundred times from, you know, a million other different people, but it's so, so true. So just keep that in mind, balance out your self-sacrificing with self-care. And remember you are on the same team as your partner and it's not about who has it harder. So I wanted to just quickly go over those pointers again and offer some actionable steps that you can actually introduce into your life starting right now. So the first mistake I mentioned was micromanaging slash parenting your partner. Now some actionable steps that you can really, really lean on. Firstly, notice when you're micromanaging your partner. Secondly, bite your tongue every second time. Every second time that you go to tell them what to do, stop yourself and remind yourself that if you are micromanaging your partner, you are disempowering them, and that is the opposite of what you want to do. You want to empower them. And versatility is good for kids. So if your partner doesn't do things exactly the same way you do, that is okay. Your child will most likely be fine. Not most likely. They will absolutely be fine. They are resilient, and it's important for their brains that they learn that certain things can be done different ways. When it comes to parenting your partner, have a conversation about it. And talk to each other and just say, you know, when you put me in the position to remind you to continually pay for your phone bill or to remind you to pay for insurance, it makes me feel like I'm parenting you and I don't want to be in that position. It literally puts out the fire that I have for you when I feel as though I have to act in that way. So could you take ownership for X, Y, Z and put it on them? That's up to them. And if they take ownership for it, amazing, but don't put yourself, don't back yourself into the corner of mothering or fathering your partner. You're not there for that dynamic. You want to be their lover. Now, point two and point three, I think we can wrap together. And so those mistakes were not owning or expressing what you want and also expecting your partner to be able to read your mind. And it really just comes to letting go of expectations, replacing the expectations with really clear communication. That's super simple for those ones. Um, And it's just about practicing. So practice. If you find yourself holding on to resentment because your partner didn't know exactly what you were thinking, that's on you. That's up to you to open your mouth and say, this is what I'm thinking. Um, So yeah, just don't let that one build resentment because it's dangerous. The next one was belittling your partner. Practice 
praising your partner and speaking really, really highly of them in front of them and away from them. It will help you remember what you fell in love with them for. And you might find that conversations become more positive. So rather than everyone joining in and complaining about what their partner doesn't do, it might turn into an appreciation conversation and you'll leave that social setting feeling really, really full and content rather than feeling angry about what your partner doesn't do. And the last one, as I said, is understanding that there's a lot of self-sacrifice when we are grown-ups, and we need to balance that out with self-care. And I think that one is pretty self-explanatory. Have a look at your day. Do you have any little daily acts of self-care that you can introduce or that you can help your partner introduce as well? So I wanted to share those mistakes with you because like I said, they're really easy to make, but over time, if these go on and on and on and get bigger and bigger and bigger, they can be really destructive. But if you notice them and you make slight tweaks, it can make a huge difference to having a really strong, healthy, happy relationship. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. As always, my most favorite thing is when you take a screenshot of it and upload it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Kylie Camps. It is a real pleasure and a real honor to see what you're up to when you're listening to the podcast. And it just means the world to me. Thank you very much for listening in and I will speak with you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.